Welcome to the Hot Lava Podcast. Kevin AC, Padres B-Rider. I am in Phoenix because the Padres are about to start the season. I took the long journey to get here from Peoria. Jay Posner, sports editor of the Union Tribune. He's back in San Diego. This is real, Jay. All the other podcasts we did, all the other Hot Lavas this spring were exhibitions. This one counts. So that was that was just practice, now you tell me? God, all the preparation I did and all the sleepless nights and all that. Well, you were trying to make the team. You were trying to hold on, make the team. So here we go. Four against the Diamondbacks. Where have I heard that before? Oh, last year and the year before. This is the third (laughs) year in a row the Padres are opening up with four games against the Diamondbacks. Took three of four each of the previous two years. That's not a bad bad thing. It's the fourth year in a row that they will be facing Madison Bumgarner, who's with the Giants uh, the first uh, time. And the Padres have won all three of those games. So there you go. And last year was you Darvish against Bumgarner. And tomorrow is you Darvish against Bumgarner. And last year, Darvish coughed up a big lead that the Padres got him. And then the Padres ended up winning anyway at Petco. So my big question for tomorrow is, and I, I, I don't know if you have the answer for this, and it's, it's very unusual for for even Phoenix at this time of year, but I, I'm looking at this weekend, 94, 97, 97, 92 for the highs in Phoenix. Now, I know the games are at 640. Do you think that the roof could actually be closed for these games, or do you think they'll have the roof closed maybe during warm-ups and then they open it up for game time? Because the the nights in the desert are usually pretty nice. Very nice. And and actually, because you're down there, you've had the AC on all day. It actually stays pretty cool on the field, is my understanding. I will probably be sweating in the press box uh, at some right. point when they open the roof. But like you said, I mean, it's very nice. I will tell you something. It's unseasonably warm. It has been like the end times here. There are these, not just the gigantic moths that, that live here in Arizona, but grasshoppers everywhere. And and I've talked to locals and they're like, haven't seen this before. I mean, grasshoppers everywhere. It's it's incredible. So that was in Peoria and Goodyear and all those places. I don't know if the grasshoppers actually come downtown. uh, I think I see one over your shoulder there. No, I mean, it also got a little freaky. Anyway. In your palatial palatial suite uh, that I'm sure that uh, we're paying for. So, well, I know that you're paying for it, but yeah. uh, so, <laughs> the Padres, uh, after Bumgarner, this is actually a very familiar series. You've got Merrill Kelly, who's made 10 starts, I think, in like the last three years against the Padres. At least. At Zach Davies, who used to pitch for the Padres, right. uh, will be the third starter for uh, for the Diamondbacks. And then Caleb Smith, who I guess has traded places with Luke Weaver. Luke Weaver has moved to the bullpen. Caleb Smith has moved to the uh, the starting rotation. Either way, Padres have faced the Diamondbacks. It feels like the Padres play the Diamondbacks every other week. I can't wait. I know. To that's, that's the thing with Merrill, Merrill Kelly's pitching. It's like Merrill Kelly's always pitching. It, uh, it feels like. And the Padres will counter w- with Darvish on Thursday. Sean Manea, who wasn't even on the team the last time we did a podcast, because like the day after every podcast we do, or, or two days after the Padres seem to make a move. So maybe that's a sign that something will happen tomorrow before the first game. Joe Musgrove will pitch on Saturday, which is the anniversary of his no-hitter a year ago in Texas. I will predict that does not happen again. For multiple reasons, primarily which I, of which 
I don't see Joe Musgrove pitch, pitching nine innings no matter how many hits he's allowed. And then are we looking at Blake Snell on Sunday? Had we done this podcast yesterday, I would have said we're looking at Blake Snell on Sunday. Now I'm a little bit uncertain of that because, well, obviously from talking to, to Bob Melvin, but Blake Snell was fourth, even though he went after the day after Nick Martinez uh, in spring training. They were switching up the uh, – they were making sure to separate Mike Clevenger, who was the number right. two guy before he's headed for the IL with the knee soreness, and uh, Blake Snell at the number four spot. Now they don't have to do that because their other four starters are all built up. So it could be Blake Snell against the Giants on uh, on Monday and Nick Martinez, but maybe we'll find out later today. But th- there you go. There, there's your rotation either way, four and five. It almost seems like you need to split up Snell and Martinez because when – when Clevenger comes back, you would think he would slot in where Martinez is, but I guess that's looking too far ahead and they'll deal with that when they have to deal with that. Yeah. I thought we'd talk about that at some point and I guess we might as well now, like, yeah, that's, um, I guess the proverbial good problem to have. I mean, I don't know that the Padres are like a hundred percent sold that Nick Martinez is, um, you know, going to give them five, six uh, innings every time out, but he had a really good spring. I think right. he's going to get a couple times through the rotation at least, um, to to be able to to show what he can do, and then you know the reality is is uh, is Nick Martinez the piggyback guy on on Clevenger? Um, you know, I guess it's not unheard of that, uh, or it's not unfathomable. It could be the other way around. I, I don't know, but uh, right. yeah, at that point they'll have uh, they'll have six starters, and uh, the problem is or the good problem is Potters don't have the kind of schedule uh, really this year where they would even ever need six starters. Only at the beginning, really. I mean, with the <laughs> The, all yeah. the games in a row at the a, at the beginning, and I, I would say this: we should see them have five or six healthy starters before yeah. we jump to too many conclusions. Because we couldn't even get to opening day with the, uh, well, we thought they were going to have five. Then Clevenger got hurt. Then they got Manea, so we thought they'd have six. So they only have five. You still have Paddock, as you said. You still have Martinez. You still have Mackenzie Gore. Might as well jump on that. Where's Mackenzie Gore with right now? Is he is he taking that bus from Peoria to Scottsdale today with the rest of the team? I imagine that Mackenzie Gore will be on his way to El Paso pretty soon. Uh, that's certainly okay. the indications. I mean, they want him to pitch, and he had a good enough spring. But you just mentioned all the people that they have. Mackenzie Gore will be here sooner rather than later. I think that he's shown that. That's the level of excitement about what what he offers, um, but not here at the start. How soon is he here? I don't know. How soon can they trade Chris Paddock? That's you know <laughs> that's uh, you know the reality of the situation is at some point. I, I believe they're going to go into the season. That's not to say they're not going to make any moves before tomorrow. But in terms of like this, you know giant upgrade that uh, they probably need to be a real championship contender uh, in, in probably left field. I think they're going to wait and see how, you know, where they're at. That That's what I think that they're going to do. And, and that's going to take probably getting rid of some uh, young starting pitching. Well, I was going to say, who's being traded off this team right now? First of all, El Paso has a pretty good top of the rotation if they're going to have Ryan Weathers and Mackenzie Gore, because both those guys could be in rotations for – uh, for a lot of teams. Um, you know, you mentioned how soon can they trade Chris Paddock? How soon can they trade Eric Hosmer? How soon can they trade Victor Caratini? Um, how soon can they trade Javi Guerra? That's a lot of, you know, I, I don't know who else I'm missing. And you know that if they do make a trade, 
it's not just going to be out of that group of four. Right. There's going to be somebody else that goes that we haven't even talked about. Um, I mean, we didn't see Shamanea being brought in. And that, as I said, that happened after we last spoke. You know, they gave up a couple guys for him. Maybe those guys will turn out to be well, you know, decent. The bat seemed like he was had some potential down the road, but who knows? I mean, look, you have a chance to get a guy like Manea, and that gives him three pitch, three of the five top starters now are going to be free agents at the end of the year. So who knows? Maybe Manea is the guy who ends up staying. Uh and, and a couple other guys go. There's just no way to know. But it's always – if they can have enough – if they can have – the more pitching they can have, obviously, the better they're going to be. Absolutely. And that's – they're – they have enough that they can part with some of it. And they still obviously have the prospect capital for, for as much as their uh, system has been, you know, supposedly downgraded, they've been able to swing some trades and, and, right. and have people take some of their young talent. There's just the thing about prospects is I don't care if you study it all the time, you're going to have different grades than some of these other general managers, personnel departments out there. And there's some 19 year old that we don't know about. So uh, well, you know, you've got the capital. Look. Right. And look at a guy like Gore. I mean, he was considered, you know, prospect one, two or three in all of Major League Baseball for the in the rankings for the last, what, four years or something. When Jeff Sanders wrote a story the other day about the minor league system and focused on Robert Hassel, but some other, you know, mentioned the top hundred prospects and Hassel and C.J. Abrams and Luis Camposano and Mackenzie Gore, the four that the Padres have that are ranked in MLB's top 100. So I was double checking wanted to add in parentheses where each guy was. I couldn't find Mackenzie Gore. No, he's number 86 on the on the MLB rankings now. Um, but as you said, he pitched great in the spring, and he, he's probably going to be up here before too long. And, you know, we'll find out. And it, I can't even say we'll find out once and for all because you're not going to make a determination on Mackenzie Gore based on this year. But we'll get a sense at least of, of what they have in Gore and is he the guy who was one, two or three, or is he the guy who, you know, dropped to 86? It's, and as you said, somebody else could do the rankings and Gore could be 22. Nobody knows for sure. No, we don't know. Look, speaking of not knowing for sure, we go into last year thinking, hey, wow, look at that super sub Eurickson Profar. Trent Grisham, man, that's a center fielder on the rise. Um, right. Hey, look at those seasons that uh, you know, Will Myers and Eric Hosmer had. Maybe that's for real. Now we go into the season and it's basically the opposite is what, you know, most people would say about those four guys. And I'm doing a story, my season preview. I feel a little bad about it because um, it's, it's not your optimistic opening day uh, story. It is uh, talking about the potential of this team, but the reality of this team and the reality of this team is it's wait and see. The reality of this team is it has a lot of holes. Now, as I say in my story, that's a different conversation to say that this team has a lot of holes for one that, you know, $200 million has been invested in. That's a different conversation than this team isn't a playoff team. There's six playoff spots in the National League. I think the Padres are roundly considered to be one of those six teams in terms of there being a contender. And the reality in the National League is there might be like seven or eight teams and the rest of them have no shot. So that's who you're competing against. Now, I should say this. As long as the Padres can beat some of those teams at the bottom, unlike they did last year, going 40 and 39 against teams with losing records, uh, which is just inexcusable. But the Padres are a good team. They're not as good, probably, as 
could be expected. What do you say about that, Jay? Well, I, I would say a year ago, the over-under on the Padres was somewhere in the nine. I think it was 94 or 95. So. Mm-hmm. And I remember doing this podcast right before the opener like we're doing now. And I remember saying that that was too high. Okay. That, yes, that I the, do remember that. that. That the under was the was the bet to make if if you're into that sort of thing. I have a number written on my little piece of paper here next to me, eighty eight point five, and I looked it up right before we started doing this. And for the Padres over under, I don't know if that's the only one or whatever. But when I when I searched for Padres over under, the first thing that came up was eighty eight point five. My my gut feeling this year is if I was doing this kind of thing would be to go over. And I'm not, and I wouldn't go over by a lot, like like if that number was was maybe too higher, I'm not sure I would say over. But I see this like last year. I thought this team was sort of a 90 to 92 win team. Uh, obviously, I was wrong. Um, this year, I see them again as sort of a 90, 89 to 91 win team, something like that. I mean, it's just so hard to tell because you don't know what the moves are going to be. We don't know the, you know, we don't know the health of these people. We don't know how much difference Bob Melvin's going to make. Ruben Niebla, you know, basically a, almost a brand new coaching staff. Are some of these guys that you mentioned, Hosmer, Myers, are they going to be here? If they are here, are they going to bounce back? Which Trent Grisham are we going to see? Uh, is, is Profar going to have to play every day? How much is C.J. Abrams going to be here? I mean, there's just. I can't wait to read the story that you're doing because I just feel like there's so many questions and there's no way to answer them. Nope. That's why they, you know, that's why they play the games. I mean, I, my, my wife and I talk all the time about actors go on talk shows and, and people, the, the talk show hosts will say, what's going to, you know, it's basically like what's going to happen in your show this year. I, I don't want to know what's going to happen in the show. I, I don't watch the coming, you know, I don't watch next week on this is us or whatever. I watch the show because I want to know what's going to happen. And that's the reason to me that we watch sports. Yes. You want to know what's going to happen. It's if you want to, it's no fun. If you know what happened, how many times do you watch a game, you know, where you know the result already and sit through it? I, I don't like to do that. I mean, you know, I record soccer games, you know, Liverpool games all the time and I got to stay off Twitter and, and everything for a couple hours so I can watch the game because I don't want to, I don't want to know the result ahead of time. That's why we, that's why we watch. Hey, Bryce Miller and I were sitting in uh, the uh, UT's uh, spring training apartment watching um, the, uh, what year was it? The Braves National League Championship uh, Series, Game 7. Uh, and we were, we obviously, we knew everything that happened. And we're, right. we were acting like we didn't, though, and cracking each other up. <laughs> like, oh, he's too slow here. No way he's going to beat that out. He's not scoring right. from second. No chance. Um, and uh, th- exactly. I can't remember. Before that, I can't remember the last time I stayed on MLB Network when they were playing an old game, if I knew what was happening. So, yes. I mean, other than to watch, like, one, like, a play like you're talking about, where it's like, okay, I know what's going to happen here. It's kind of cool to see it again and and hear hear the announcer, see the reaction, that sort of thing. But I don't want to. I don't want to spend three hours watching that. Watching we that. Were like, we were like, you know, well, we're watching Barry Bonds in left field. Oh, he looks too small. You know, right. like, oh, he needs to gain some weight. Uh, right. Uh, <laughs> I wonder what's going to happen in his career. Um, is he going to add power? So yes, absolutely. All right now. Tomorrow's story, my last thing on it is you 
because I think that it's important for us to have a realistic expectation. And like you just said, and so much of what we've talked about already uh, today is, is about projections. Um, but every team, even the Dodgers, you can say has holes. Now the Dodgers, not so much, but every team has holes. Who's the Mets designated hitter with their $300 million. I mean, who's the Dodger, who's the Dodgers closer. I mean, I, we didn't talk about this last week. I don't think on the Craig Kimbrell trade, but I don't trust Craig Kimbrell. Um, if I'm, if, if so, I'm the Dodgers or a Dodger fan, if he, he goes out there for the ninth inning and, and I'm, I, I'm like in the fetal position, like which, you know, Craig Kimbrell's had one good half season in the last three years. So uh, I'm not sure I, again, that's a, a $300 million payroll for the Dodgers. And they're relying on a guy who hasn't been very good no. for the last three years. Now they also have Blake Trinan, who I think is incredible and could probably should be the closer. They also they might score to... 47 runs a game. So yeah, Craig well, Kimball might not have yeah. any saves because he'll there's be pitching the ninth. There's but that they... too. <laughs> the but I, I get your point. Every team out there has, has question marks, whether it's, you know, injury question marks or position holes or, or whatever. I mean, there is no, no. there is no perfect team. I mean, I, I I've seen the Rays, for instance, projected as like an 85 win team. And I also, I, I love Joe Sheehan's newsletter, which I get every day. And he's got the Rays winning a hundred games and, you know, hmm. so there's, you got smart people on both sides that are like 15 wins apart. Um, nobody saw the giants coming last year this year that i've seen the giants projected for 77 i've seen them for like 88 that, that's why like i said that's why i love that's why i love the baseball season because it's a long season and you you've got to be good for a long time and as the padres showed last year you know you can be good up until august 10 right and it doesn't and and we all said oh they should be even better than this because they weren't beating some of those teams and then, you know, everything fell apart. So you had the last year was a great learning experience. You had the Padres and the Giants. Those are both. Right. Let's let's not have the short term memory here. Now, <laughs> getting back to the Padres holes. I mean, where would you even want to want to start? I happen to be a, I happen to be a big believer in Trent Grisham. I, yeah. I think that he's a really good player, which Trent Grisham, right? Left field. Who even is your left fielder? Like, I, I, look, the Dodgers didn't have a place for Matt Beatty, though left field does seem to be their weak spot. That tells you what they thought of his defense in left field and, and his ability to play every day. Yurix um, and Profar finished spring nicely. I happen to think that he is uh, a fine uh, super sub. Don't know that $8 million was a great investment, but, you know, think highly of him. But that's about as much as we can say there. Who's their left fielder? Will Myers, I think you've said it really well. You know what you're going to get out of out of Will Myers, and there's going to be portions of the season where this guy is getting on base and and hitting homers uh, the other way, and you're like, this is unbelievable. Can he keep it up? And we all know what the answer is. Okay, I love Will. <laughs> we all know what the answer is. Um, go to first base. You know, Eric Hosmer. I think also. I don't know if you've said this, but I think you kind of know what you're going to get there, and and they're going to be. He's been streaky since he got here. He was streaky in um, Kansas City. The streaks were just longer and better in Kansas City. Yeah, and I don't – let me – I'll jump in with the Hosmer thing because, I mean, he's obviously the poster child on on, on Twitter for Twitter hate for whatever the reasons. And there are, you know, there are plenty of reasons to dislike 
Eric Cosmer, probably not as much as some people dislike someone. That do, we, there's plenty of reasons but, to maybe dislike what uh, he's produced for the Padres. Correct. But the dislike is a little confusing, but go ahead. <laughs> and I think some of it goes back to the vaccination stuff a year ago, I, I'm guessing. But anyway, the idea that I've seen people suggest that that Hosmer should be DFA'd. And, and I don't understand that. If you're going to be, you're already going to be paying him. Yes. And he's not, he's not hopeless. I mean, his numbers, his numbers, we're not looking at Hassan Kim numbers here for Hosmer. There are games, and I and the start of last season was a perfect example. There are games that Eric Hosmer can win you. Now, there are games that Hosmer's going to come up and there's going to be a big situation and he's going to hit a ground ball to second base. But there are other games where he's going to come up and he's going to line a single to center field and a big run's going to score. So, look, Hosmer, I, I've been a leader of the, you know, they shouldn't have gotten Hosmer from a baseball, pure baseball standpoint since the beginning. He's not the worst player in baseball. There are a lot, you know, you don't just DFA a guy because you don't like him. Um, He plays a position where they should get more. That that's, that's, that's part of it too. There are, as you said, there are a lot of reasons. Absolutely. But to just toss the guy aside and pay, pay him $20 million to go or $60 million basically to go away. I'm not sure I follow the reasoning behind that, but first base is a question mark. I also think the Padres will, you know, with a couple of the moves that they've made, will be able to either put Hosmer on the bench at the start of games, pinch hit for Hosmer. You mentioned that in your story today, they could pinch hit for him more uh, later in, in games. The bench is not great at this point, you know, but who knows what's going to, you know, what's going to develop. But Anyway, I, I think first base is a question mark. Right field, I don't even know that I call it a question mark because I think, like we've talked about, we know what we're getting from Will Myers. Center field, a little bit more of a question for me, but I do I do think Grisham has has great potential. He showed it a couple of years ago and at times last year. I think he might have gotten caught up last year in just sort of the the negativity that seemed to surround the team and, and sort of piled on everything at the end of the year. I, I still think left field is the left field is the biggest question because you've you know do you want you've got Profar and you've got Beatty I don't even I don't even know what to say about that other than I guess you're going to see more righties than lefties throughout the season so you would think you would see more of Beatty and we'll see what kind of defense he plays and does he provide more at the plate than he does the other way and we didn't even mention C.J. Abrams who I don't even know what what are they doing with C.J. Abrams so real quick Folks realized that he had barely played more than a half a season, the equivalent of right. more than a half a season before last year. I mean, yeah. so, you know, that I know he carries himself in center field like he uh, is in the Hall of Fame already. Um, <laughs> but, but that's, you know, that's that's part of who he is and, and what makes him good. And but it's like, my gosh, this guy is barely past being a rookie. Um, C.J. Abrams, who played right field yesterday, don't know. Uh, let's call it a developing story. Don't know the the reality there. Obviously needs to go out and uh, do some, uh, you know, super shagging and uh, batting practice and, and get himself uh, ready to, to be that guy. Look, unless there's a move, he's going to be on the team because Hassan Kim, you, it's a, uh, it's a wing and a prayer there. It's uh, can he get enough good pitches to hit? Can he recognize what his weaknesses are and not swing at them and pop, up uh, balls and, and and strike out. Uh, he doesn't strike out a lot. You know, he pops up a lot of balls. Or so, does he make up for it with with defense? I mean, how much better is he defensively than Abrams? 
Now, we've seen Kim do it at the big league level. We have not seen Abrams do it. CJ Abrams is a pretty darn good defender. You, you're right, but we have, but but we haven't seen it. So no, uh, I, I think there, you know, that's another very interesting thing to watch. You know, your your head tells you. You and I have both been watching this for for a long time. Your head tells you CJ Abrams is not ready for the big leagues. We talked about it, I think, last week, uh, or maybe the previous week, or maybe both of those weeks about how few games he has played at, as a professional. Um, far fewer than someone like Tatis when when he was brought up. But does that mean that Abrams can't do it? No, of course not. But I think it's it's surely something to watch. And uh, I, I'm, I'm very interested to see how much he plays and, of course, how he plays when he is out there. He has had a fantastic spring, and he is a fantastic player. He would not be on the team had he had this spring or even a little better one if Fernando Tatis Jr. were healthy. That, you know, you are given seven million bucks to Hassan Kim. Uh, right, so, right. so CJ Abrams was going to absolutely have to hit like 700 and steal 12 bases uh, in spring and, and to, uh, to make this team if Tatis was uh, healthy. As you said, that doesn't mean he can't do it. And by the way, it is my understanding from several people, not A.J. Preller, um, who won't answer the question, but that A.J. Preller wants to put him in AAA uh, because he needs to be there. He needs to get some more seasoning. But that's not the reality. There's what you want to do and what the reality is. And that doesn't mean A.J. Preller is probably C.J. Abrams' biggest fan. But mm-hmm. – you know, he's also the general manager has to be, you know, look at these things soberly. And he would rather that C.J. Abrams got some more seasoning. Um, that's just not the reality they're in, which tells you about more than about C.J. Abrams talent, which is undeniable about the situation they're at with their depth. It's non-existent. Right. Their best pinch hitters right now are either, you know, Beatty or, or Profar. Whoever doesn't, whoever doesn't you're, start, you're, you're not buying Alfaro stock, huh? No, and and that was my next guy. It was Jorge Alfaro. I mean, he's the next. He's probably the next guy that um, you know that you're going to use. But late in the game, are you going to pinch hit Jorge Alfaro for Eric Hosmer? That would be interesting to see Bob Melvin make that move. You know, late in a uh, that's in a the game. thing you want to have somebody that you're saying. This guy is better for me to put in this leverage situation. And the Padres don't have that guy unless Manny Machado doesn't start that day and he can pitch it for the fifth <laughs> time in his career. Um, right, it's, right. It's, whatever. And uh, with the DH now, I don't see too many games where Machado's healthy or even as we saw last year, he doesn't even have to be healthy to be in the lineup, right. you know, pretty much, pretty much every day. And I think the same is true with Cronenworth, um, wherever, whether he's playing second or, or first or – I don't think they need him at short right now. You know, Abrams, one thing I was going to ask you was, is there a reason that Abrams was in right instead of left? You know, I wasn't paying attention to who else but was out there. It was Azakar. But (laughs) Bob Melvin said, no, there was no significance. It was who else he wanted to play in the game. So, okay. Uh, Grisham, I think, was still in when in the fourth inning and wanted to get him a couple more. Now, could he moved him over to center? I, I guess I when Grisham left, but yeah. yeah, look, they don't really have a backup right fielder and they don't really have a backup center fielder. Correct. So correct. Well, yeah. Myers to me, Myers is like the backup center fielder, right? Who's the so starting I guess maybe, so, so maybe that's where you put eight. That's maybe that's why they were, uh, they were doing it. So 
I don't know. I mean, like I said, the one the one thing we know is we as we get closer to whether we can avoid the the dreaded thirty minute tone is this is going to be interesting. It's a lot more. We said it last year. It's a lot more interesting when you have a team like this and there's expectations for the team. And obviously, you know, last year was a, a huge disappointment, especially the last six weeks. Um, but we're you know. We're back again because you know we all we enjoy it and and you want to see what's going to happen and I I don't know what's going to happen like I said I my my gut tells me the Padres are going to win you know in the neighborhood of ninety games and get a wild card spot and then you kind of see what happens from there. Think um, about it, and that's the tone of my kind of season preview. Um, you know, there's a reason that this podcast is called Hot Lava. It was from Eric Hosmer's agent, you know, referring to the hot lava talent the, that was in the minor leagues. Because when we started this podcast in 2018, that's all the Padres had. We were talking all season in 2018 about development and where does Hunter Renfro fit in the future and Manny Margot and, and that sort of thing. And now we're talking about consequential moves and and performances to 2022 and that's super exciting it really right. is and where and and the thing about all the hot lava is whatever there was it's almost it's all the in Indians different, now it's i was gonna say it's all it's all in cleveland and it's it's the guardians and i'm gonna get you to get that right this year i have not once typed indians <laughs> and every time i say it on this spot cast i say indians it's the guardians it was one thing that i was so yeah <laughs> So anyway, it's in Cleveland, it's in Seattle, it's in I mean, Luis Patino's in Tampa, Xavier Edwards in Tampa. So I, I don't know, it's it's in a lot of different places. And, and the Padres got back, obviously, a lot of different players for those guys. And we'll see, you know, starting starting tomorrow evening, we'll, we'll start all over again and we'll see where it goes. I'm excited. Yeah. And we'll do this again on Monday and we'll overreact to whatever happened in the first four games. They'll take three or four, just like they have the last two years. And uh, yeah, so, all right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.